Welcome to the Future of Fright, your listening destination for all things queer, new, interesting, and innovative in horror. My name is Leslie, and today I want to return to a topic that we've discussed a few times in passing, which is the difference between what I'll call more shallow horror and existential horror. If the audio sounds a little strange today, that's because we're trying something a little new. But To be honest, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you'll understand that despite working entirely in an audio medium, audio is not our strong suit. We have gotten some great feedback on Twitter, and you too can listen and offer feedback by following the podcast on Twitter, at Future Fright. I sincerely hope you do. So, in previous weeks, we've talked a little about the different variations of fear, whether that be anxiety, dread, revulsion, and so on. We've also, in our great chat about Fear Street with Nirmala the other week, finally gotten to the question of what's so scary about dying in horror media, which is something I really wanted to delve into just a bit more this week. As I've said, and you may disagree, of course, the most effective and interesting horror is horror that suggests consequences beyond simply dying. Death is scary. In fact, it's a universal fear, which is why it's utilized so often. And I don't want to discount or discredit that fear by any means. The thought of dying is a frightening one, and the thought of dying in a painful or unexpected way is even more frightening. So it's not that I think that slasher movies, for instance, aren't good horror. Quite the opposite. I think they're wonderful and can be very good at eliciting fear from audiences. However, I also think that sometimes pieces of horror media refuse to push any further than audiences' fear of death. So it's effective, but maybe overused. So what's the alternative then? Well, as Nirmala and I discussed briefly back in episode 6, I think horror has many opportunities to refer back to the small daily horrors of being alive, or even the huge existential horrors of being a human person existing in the unending black voids of space and time where your life and actions are potentially meaningless. Maybe this is more of a millennial perspective, but the prospect of renting of working labor-intensive, miserable jobs that you hate, of having to confront your awful family, or your awful town, or your own awful history, or your own awful self, those things feel far more rich than, what if someone killed me? If the worst outcome of an event is that I die, well, that's not the worst outcome, especially compared to, oftentimes, the horror of existence. Dying can seem easy if living is harder. Fear Street, as I discussed with Nirmala, does this well. Dying would be frightening, but would it be more frightening than living in a shitty little impoverished town with no prospects, opportunity, or hopes for the future? In preparation for discussion with my guests next week, I've been thinking a lot about the 1930s movie White Zombie with Bela Lugosi. There's a scene where black Haitians have been reanimated as mindless zombies in order to work in a sugar mill, which is already grueling labor. And it's a small scene that isn't ever used or really discussed again, but it's a good example of what I mean. Imagine being a laborer 
and in White Zombie there's always the specter of chattel slavery, but imagine laboring at something that is literally backbreaking, and that is the whole of your existence. Death in that circumstance can seem like a balm or like a spot of hopefulness. Death could mean peace or respite. But what White Zombie does instead is it denies these characters even that. Not even in death can you rest. In fact, you will be reanimated, reused, and driven to work painfully and extensively until, I imagine, your corpse eventually physically breaks down and can do no more. The concept of that, trapped in a body and laboring in pain with no hope for any end or reprieve, that is horror. More so, I think, than merely the threat of dying. Alternately, huge existential horror that reminds audiences of how small their place in the world is can also be an effective method of addressing this. And this can come in a lot of different varieties. There's the work of Junji Ito, whose horror manga is all about not understanding the nature of the world and the nature of our own lives. It's being taken from your daily existence and reminded that you are really little more than a shell on a beach at the full behest of tides that are so much larger than yourself and totally incomprehensible. There's something like Event Horizon or The Void, where alternate dimensions are exposed and the audience gets a small taste of just how vast and unknown the universe is, and just how little and maybe even insignificant they are. There's even something like Annihilation, and while I much prefer the book series to the film, both certainly have their merits, but in Annihilation we have individuals with fairly typical lives and problems who are literally deconstructed down to the atomic level. We have bodies that are no longer bodies. We have the inorganic and organic worlds warping and folding in on one another. We have a glimpse of just how fragile and how terrifying nature is, how terrifying our environment is, how terrifying our very biological makeup is. And at the end of the day, for me, something like Annihilation does a more interesting job of making audiences aware of their bodies as organic things than something like a slasher movie. Both focus on the body and bodily harm that's received by characters, but one is all blood and viscera, and one is more about the very cells and pieces that make up a human being. So what's the point? As audiences, we demand a lot from our media. We want media that helps us relax, or that makes us feel good, or media that keeps us entertained, or that shocks us with something new. But the fact is that horror has always been about more than simply escaping and being entertained. It's maybe even the one genre, maybe aside from classical tragedy plays, where it's expected that the media will leave you feeling bad afterwards, and that's okay. And not just for the sake of feeling bad. It's not enough, after all, to simply watch something because it's shocking or disturbing. To this point, I recently watched the new Suicide Squad movie, and while it's certainly enjoyable, there are a lot of gory, violent deaths that are played up for laughs in a way that as an audience member, I just don't feel good watching. It makes me feel bad, and not in the way that horror makes me feel bad, which is in a kind of cathartic or introspective way. So if the point of horror, then, is to feel 
some kind of genuine fear to question your existence, to rethink the way that you approach aspects of your life, then it's important to think about how what disturbs and shocks us is culturally and socially dependent and seated in the rich context of our lives. Horror then should speak to our present moment and our particular situation, more so, I think, than just hitting at more traditional fears and concerns over and over again. A piece of horror media that relies on gore or death or shocking imagery will pretty much always be effective at eliciting fear, and it will likely even be incredibly enjoyable. But horror media that can leave audiences introspective, uncertain, questioning, curious, unsure of how what they've seen fits in with their preset ideas of how the world works, horror that disrupts our safe view of the world, that is something truly special. And it can do that in more complicated ways than most traditional horror media does. Thank you for spending a short amount of time with us today on The Future of Fright. As always, if you'd like to contribute to the show with suggestions or even as a guest, please comment or message. You can always follow us on Twitter at Future Fright. And until next week, to all of you listening, stay scared.